Welcome to Vonday Radio. Today, it's a great pleasure to record what is the second panel discussion, plenary discussion on Vonday Radio with a number of very erudite guests. Tonight, I'm joined by Steve Cunningham from Census for Dalium, by Dr. E. Michael Jones from Culture Wars magazine, from Mike from Restoring the Faith Media, and Mr. Tim Kelly from Our Interesting Times and Powers and Principalities. And the subject I'd like to discuss with you gentlemen tonight is what I've termed the apotheosis of oligarchy. The events of the last year which have made manifest the oligarch conquest or capture of nearly all Western institutions from the ecclesiastical structure the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, the human element of the church, media, corporations, medical authorities, the courts, cultural bodies, NGOs, and of course, political and government organizations to form this full spectrum dominance. What you're seeing is the oligarchs looking to wind down the old post-war liberal democratic uh, so-called system almost the culmination of this Enlightenment project, which in a sense has uh, terminated in an absurdly irrational coup de grace with this unparalleled pseudoscientific crime against humanity, forced through a combination of arbitrary, ideological and self-interested wills upon the masses of the men and women of this material world that uh, naturalism, the force of the Enlightenment have created. So, Gentlemen, you will have your areas of uh, expertise with this. Perhaps, Tim, you could start off and give us your own survey of this uh, of panorama, this apex of oligarchy we see unfolding. Yeah, um, I just listened to a talk earlier today um, by another podcaster uh, goes by the name of Z Man, and he was talking about uh, what we're witnessing is that the the oligarchy, the powers that be, the neoliberal order which for decades it sort of had claimed authority based on sort of, uh, sort of a historical scientific explanation, meaning that um, the arc of history had been in their favor. Uh, they had won the idea uh, the wars uh, and the ideological wars and their reign was justified by, by ideas and they had legitimacy in the eyes of most of the public because liberal, the liberal democratic order had won out at the end of the Cold War. This is Francis Fukuyama's, you know, the, the end of history. And there were no longer any disputes because then we had 9-11. <laughs> so, um, but um, it, it seems now that since 2016 in the election of Donald Trump, which I don't think they expected, uh, is that uh, someone else could win, that there, an outsider could win, so to speak, or at least someone representing uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the interest of, you know, of uh, the coastal elites or something. And they realized that the deplorables are, would vote against them and they had no votes to beat them electorally. So they conspired the past four years uh, and, uh, to undermine the electoral system and sort of uh, now they're baring their teeth. They, they've taken off the velvet and we see the hammer. And of course this is done under, under the cover of a pandemic uh, claiming scientific justification for their dictatorship and using front men like Fauci or even college dropouts like Bill Gates, but he's a billionaire. so. You got to listen to what he has to say, I suppose. And now they're just out in the open, tyrannical. And now they're, they're ruling via power. You know, there's still attempts like to control a narrative. Like a good example uh, would be 
this is our side of the, of the pond is uh, explaining the insurrection, you know, the January 6th protest against electoral fraud as an insurrection against democracy, you know, these things. Of course, ironically, the, you know, the animated corpus making his claims, Joe Biden, who's obviously he wants to legitimize his, his, his presidency by claiming that it was an insurrection and take, take attention away from the rampant electoral fraud that occurred. This is all part of the coup. Of course, the, 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 the electoral fraud was facilitated by the pandemic, the fake pandemic that they declared. Uh, ironically, you know, or not ironic, but claiming, of course, claiming science, following the science. And it is, and I'll also finish up here, there's a sort of iron, irony here is where they claim science for their rule, the very people who are evoking science to make us all believe, make us wear face masks and stay inside and do unhealthy things and, and fear the virus. They're still, they're making claim, scientific claims about, about basically the, the two sexes don't exist. That's just a construct, mm -hmm. you know? So, and we have to, so we have to accept the virus as an act of faith, but reject, you know, the concrete reality of male and female. And it's a war on epistemology. It's a war on being. Yeah, I think it does it. That, that uh, summarizes it perfectly. It's, it is a war on being, and that tells you who is the prince of this world, who is ultimately orchestrating it. I think the story of the 20th century is this, this battle between capitalism and Marxism. And in the 21st century, we've seen this terrifying synthesis of the two, where cultural Marxism is imposed through the power of capital, through corporations. A good example I saw was that South Florida or, or Florida has no mask mandates, but in response, big corporations have now started enforcing mask mandates. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Jones, is there anything there you'd like to respond to? Yes, uh, I just uh, got uh, a link to an article by a man named Jacques Attali, uh, French uh, uh, spokesman for the oligarchs, a member of the World Jewish Congress, and lots of other operations. And he talked about what to expect uh, from the pandemic, and that was basically it's going to last for 10 years. And there are going to be a series of lockdowns and continued new uh, vaccinations over this 10-year period of time. Now, when, when he speaks, uh, I think he's telling us the truth uh, because he's talking to the people who were in control of this thing. The other thing I heard uh, today, I had uh, talked with my friends in India about the uh, so-called pandemic there. Uh, it's uh, a new outbreak. Uh, it dominated uh, the Google uh, news aggregator for about uh, the entire week. First story. Uh, so it must be important, according to this, according to them. And uh, if you talk to the people there, it's pretty clear what is, what is happening. This is the most dangerous time of year to live in India. We're talking about the heat wave that comes every year right before the onset of the monsoon rains. And thousands of people die every year. You can just look back. There was a, 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 an especially hot heat wave a few years ago, and the news was all these people were dying. This is also a time when people succumb to normal diseases here, there, like malaria, uh, typhoid. And also, uh, if you live in a city like Delhi, you have the world's uh, worst uh, air pollution. So you put these things together and then you relabel them as COVID. And now the uh, answer to that is to have the United States send vaccines to uh, India, which are going to complicate the problem. So everything is going to get worse uh, because of the treatment that they're imposing. So this was the culmination. I think that, uh, I think Tim was right. I think that he's the, the crucial event from the oligarchic point of view was the election of Donald Trump. 
I think that they knew they had to stop him from getting a second term. I think this was orchestrated. It's clear that the COVID virus was orchestrated to deny Donald Trump the second term. It's clear. Well, uh, uh, well up to that point, uh, we had the gradual abolition de facto of representative government. Uh, things like the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act being overturned in Indiana by oligarchs like uh, Brian, uh, uh, Mark Benioff parachuting in and telling the, this is all was proceeding along and then they reached crisis point with, with Donald Trump. And now uh, they are determined to, to carry this thing out to its final conclusion, which is the, as you said, the abolition of everything that we have come to know as the enlightenment, uh, oddly enough. Uh, you know, representative government being a good example. Uh, when you get to something this big, you're talking about something that is a, a magnitude way above normal uh, evil. And uh, you're talking about people who are trying to take control of the course of human history. And uh, at that point, uh, I have to get metaphysical because I have to talk about Hegel and his concept of world history and how God brings about his own plans uh, in spite of the intentions of men, but using the intentions of men. Uh, he called it the cunning of reason, the list de vernunft. And I see this happening now. And the main thing I see it uh, ha happening in is the uh, complete destruction of the term science. That these people had created this uh, paradigm, this idol, if you want to call it that, over the past two centuries to where people believed it. People believed in science. People did things according to science, and now they overplayed their hand. And now it's obvious that science is being used as a, as a weapon. Science is being used as a form of control. And so you've created basically two groups of people right now. You've divided the populace into two groups of people, the people who watch television and the people who don't watch television. It's, it's become that simple. The, the old outmoded form of uh, uh, control technology known as television is the main vehicle for spreading fear and compliance with these COVID regulations. It has been superseded by the internet. And now the fact that they have to deplatform you from the internet is a sign that they know how effective it has been. So the point here is, uh, can you contain consciousness? Can, can the oligarch contain consciousness? by banning consciousness. I, I don't think that's going to work. The only thing that changes consciousness is other consciousness. And that means logical argument and the refutation of uh, opposing points of view through open discussion. And they've given up on that. They have completely given up on that. The fact that we're all threatened with being banned for saying things like vaccine or something like that is a sign that they have, the oligarchs have lost their purchase on the minds of a significant group of people that uh, significant in terms of let's say donald trump enough people voted for donald trump who was a, a a flawed vessel if there ever was one but the important thing is that there were people who voted for him and they took that very seriously that consciousness is not going to disappear okay and it's going to spread and it's going to be a function of uh, uh logos and Logos in its manifestation as religion. That's the way it's, go that's the way it's going to uh, proceed, uh, even without the leadership of the people who should be leading it. And I'm talking about the Vatican at this point, which 
I just invited Anthony Fauci to talk about uh, the vaccine. The, the, there, the, this is going to spread. It's it's going to continue, and uh, they they will not be able to stop it. It's it, it, it's going to lead. The conflict is already in the open in a way that they don't want it to be in the open. They have already lost the intellectual battle here, and the the fact that they're banning people is proof that they have. You cannot govern without the consent of the governed, in some sense or other. And that's what they're trying to do. And I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it succeeding. I'll, I'll give you a, a paradigm. The paradigm that I see in this regard, the opposite of this would be Ireland. And I'm saying basically that any country which abandons Logos in the radical way that Ireland did will be subjected to the tyranny in its most brutal form. And they will probably not uh, react well, and they may not succeed in overturning it in places like that. But it's not—it's not going to go away. And there, the the reaction here in America is already taking place in places like Texas and Florida, where the states now are pushing back against the federal government, and their power is rising at a time when the power of the federal government is diminishing, and when the power of the United States Empire is diminishing throughout the rest of the world. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, Dr. Jones touched on there the, the magnitude of this PSYOP. No doubt a key purpose was to make sure that President Trump wasn't re-elected, but this is also a global PSYOP that has been you know, remarkably universal in its uh, scope. I mean, sitting where you are over there in, in twilight America and with the, the coming apart of, of the empire, I mean, how do you see the, this oligarchic will working through some of these, these globalist organs like the World Economic Forum? Well, I mean, they had this plan long before then. I mean, uh, Dr. J brought up about that ten, the 10 year thing that he heard from the, the one, uh, uh, was it the uh, Frenchman? I forgot his name already. But week one, uh, of this World Economic Forum. I got a screenshot of it called Why Do We Need a Reset? And it talked about needing to get a decrease of 7.6% of CO2 that the UN, that was the UN's goal uh, for a decade to 2030, every year. They were already talking about shutdown every year. And there's actually a link on the WEF website as 2020 was a quote unquote experiment. They wanted to see if it would actually work. And you kind of sit around going, I, you think about these people going, wow, they really bought this. I mean, if anybody with two working brain cells watch TV uh, during the beginning of this, you'd see like uh, the news is saying that there's basically a zombie apocalypse going on and you're going, wait a minute, they're losing their minds over two dead. I, I lived in a county. They didn't have anybody die until the end of 2020. Yeah. It was about October, November was the first death in my county and my state. And those are their own like, measurements. Yeah, using their own. And uh, hey, people were just absolutely losing their mind. You look at, you drive a car. When I was doing Uber in, in Denver, they had a dot matrix scoreboard of everybody that died driving. It was in the hundreds by April. I mean, and not just in uh, all over, but each road. So you look at and, like, all these people just losing their mind. We got to shut down over this. And it's the fear that the book Propaganda talked about that getting their neighbors to become basically evangelists for the, for the propaganda that was going on but 
they all mentioned this was going to happen. Lockstep, the 2020, the 2010 document from the Rockefellers mentioned, you read that, you're going, holy cow, this is this year. Spars, 2015. You're looking at going, this is what's going on. Event 201, which happened two weeks, basically, before this all happened. And they got a nice, cute little plush doll of a coronavirus <laughs> just for showing up. They told it out. I mean, uh, the, the uh, shutdowns, the censorship, it's all right here. It's a it's conspiracy. It's an open conspiracy, as uh, George Orwell talked about. It's right here in front of us. The, the demonic part of it is it is in front of us, and no one seems to pay attention or either they come on way too late. Uh, personally, I think Trump was – I don't see him as the outsider that everyone thinks he is because, one – I just don't see you winning when everybody will admit, hey, this was rigged, this was rigged, this was rigged, this was rigged. Going back to 20 years when they got a guy from Ohio saying, yeah, we can change the algorithm like that, and nobody would ever notice. And then, you know, they're holding lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. And then a week later, you go on YouTube at the uh, the inauguration breakfast, he's going out. Hey, my friends, Bill and Hillary Clinton over there. Thank you for showing up. Come on up. They give him a big hug. Good morning. Wait a minute. It's just show business for ugly people, as they say. He ticks somebody off. I'm, that's my theory. <laughs> that he ticks somebody off to get him to, to try to get him out because, uh, I mean, he did. He played the he played the game right. Uh, March nineteenth. Everybody know that date. He gave power to FEMA. FEMA took over. That was right. when he gave away presidential uh, his power to FEMA to control what was going on. Um, I, yeah, I, I, what he did was silence the anger from the Obama years. Everyone sat back, relaxed. Hey, Mar boys in there, way to go, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. And then we had nobody to fight anymore. Or the four years got just the four years of that, everyone got silent. Nothing was going on, even though the same things was happening. Still spending money. They were, they were saying Planned Parenthood was getting defunded, but I remember I got a screenshot from uh, what's uh, what uh, Lisa, what I can't think her name is, big pro-life uh, leader on uh, Layla Rose. It was still going up. Right. We defunded the WHO, but Gavi got funded. He took the money from WHO and gave it to Gavi. Who's Gavi? That's the Gates organization for the, the vaccines that are going on. Uh, he, they were at the WEF. He's uh, even his his daughter was sitting next to uh, Benenoff from Salesforce, who ended up saying that he needs uh, he's tired. He needs capitalism to die. She gives him a hug afterwards. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't buy into the the uh, Trump was the outsider. He's is it's like a planned opposition. It was all, it's all part of the game. We're not in on it. It's. It's a big club, and you're it's a not big in club it. And you're not in it. Yeah, I mean, you go back to the World Economic Forum, the first, the first book that Schwab came out in 1971, partners, uh, partner in shaping history. He gives credit to Thomas Malthus. So this is all about the uh, depopulation world. Dr. J brought up uh, Fauci going to the Vatican. You got Goddell going there, Jane Goddell, who wants to bring back people to bring back population to the 1500s. And, and most of those people out there want us to be dead, which I look at the in, in, injection as the bioweapon, not the fake 
virus that didn't kill anybody, but the injection, which I think is, you see a lot of docs going out there going, Dr. Bacotti, they asked him, what happens if you get three or four or five of these shots? He goes, update your will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you say, Trump gets the a lot of the so-called conservatives in America on board with receiving the gene therapy injection, and therefore serves his purpose. I think he's on Fox News telling people to do it too. Yeah, Yeah, he's uh, at CPAC. And and as Tim said, he he gave the oligarchs maybe 90% of what they want, but wanted, but that wasn't enough. You know, now now Biden and Kamula are there to to give them the full program. The, uh, the, uh, uh, I think the CDC, I saw a report, there's a 6,000 increase in reported deaths this year compared to last year. And uh, I guess you could say it's coincidence (laughs) from, from vaccines. Oh, that's compared to the last decade. Yeah, last decade. So, okay. you know, and you also you have, uh, you know, people say someone would talk Well, you have Dr. Yeadon from the former uh, vice president of Pfizer calling it a, uh, a depopulation genocidal program. And he's not being interviewed by any of the major networks. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll, we'll come on to the, um, the gene therapy injection and what it's all about, your opinions there. I'd just like to bring in Restoring the Faith, Mike, uh, obviously with this this heinous conspiracy of Antichrist, there was a time that the church denounced the conspiracy of Antichrist through the centuries, both as the promulgator of divine positive law and the defender of natural law. We've seen almost universal government suppression of the natural law in stopping people seeing their loved ones, freedom of association, access to livelihoods, and so on, and suppression of the sacraments. The church has allowed has actually declared to the entire world that the sacraments are a non-essential service. How, how did we get to the point of this kind of level of oligarchic control and corruption of human element of the church? Uh, well, yeah, thanks for the question. And, and uh, it's, it's an honor to be on uh, with Fonda Radio and all your distinguished guests. You know, I, I look at the, the church of Covidianism and every church needs its own theology, creed, dogmas, sacraments, sacramentals, priests, clergy, liturgy, saints, hierarchy, and even choirs of angels. And the, the sick, twisted, demonic inversion of the true religion, which is the COVID religion, has all of those things. It has its own creeds and dogmas. There is no salvation now outside of the junk science that they push you. It has its own sacraments, namely, you know, your first shot is your abortion. It's you're washed away from your from your human DNA. And then, you know, as as you experience, you know, uh, you, you might be clear from original human sin, right? But you still need to have your booster shots, uh, which is your confession. Of course, abortion is the is the high sacrament of the COVID religion, and therefore their um, their communion. They have their own sacramentals. You know, they have the face coverings, they have the sanitizer, they have uh, they have their own liturgy. You know, you, you we do this dance now where you know nobody knows if you if if you're going to meet a handshaker or an elbow bumper, you stay six feet apart, co- uh, socialist distancing, and all of that. Um, that's all, that's all part of their liturgy, their priests, their clergy are obviously their doctors who are in, in, you know, uh, who are providing these sacraments and sacramentals. We used to, in the church of liberalism, speak of the, of the, uh, of the teachers unions, let's say in hushed tones of reverence as the communion of saints. Now it's the frontline healthcare workers. These are the real saints, uh, and the pharmacists who are, uh, who are dispensing this poison. Their hierarchy, of course, is, is Dr. Fauci, and then there's a hidden hierarchy, just like there always seems to be, and we don't necessarily get to know who all those people are. Um, 
but it's, you know, it's, and it's implemented by people who are at CDC and at WHO and, and it's mastermind, you know, by the theologians at the World Economic Forum. They even have their choir of angels, you know, we, we were venerating for a long time, especially during the hardcore lockdown days, you know, these, these brave souls who check you out at the grocery store uh, or the essential so-called uh, workers. So there's, a, there's an entire theology that has been developed here and, um, and approved and endorsed by the church. The church, in fact, in the United States, I was covering this live as they would go down uh, our diocese by diocese during the lockdowns. Many bishops in the United States declared themselves to be non-essential before any governor or even state level or county level health official bureaucrat declared that, made, made such a, a declaration. And so um, the church canceled herself. Now, I, I've done some analysis. Uh, and, and then, you know, eventually a year later, Taylor Marshall conducted the same analysis of just about the bailouts, the bailouts in conjunction with the lockdown. And I think that the, that the transfer of payments from the federal government, at least in the United States, to the, to the various organizations, the 9,000 different LLCs underneath the USCCB has been in the billions. And so when you, when you, when you take a step back and you realize lockdowns are a pretty high, high margin business for the Roman Catholic Church in the United States. I no longer have to employ uh, all these people and um, I don't have to offer services and the government's going to pay my rent. And um, mm. that seems like a pretty good deal. So I think there was hush money involved. The Trump is on record, on record. He gave a speech to the, to the um, Catholics for Trump. And he said, Cardinal Dolan called me. He said he wanted help with the Catholic schools in New York and on the East Coast. And I got him a hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars. I did that. No one else did that. I did that, and I want you to remember that in November. So here we have on record the President of the United States admitting to, the, I mean, to, to paying, the, paying the cash. And I just think one, one thing on Trump, because uh, you guys have all spoken, I think, more, uh, more in more detail than I will get to probably on this podcast. But as somebody who's holds a top secret security clearance, has, has worked in Iraq and, and Afghanistan um, in an active duty environment. And, you know, I've been through the anti-extremism training and for, for reserve military. Um, I, I look at how slow and cumbersome and bureaucratic our government is. I cannot imagine that this entire global conspiracy was created merely to stop a U.S. presidential election. I, 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 don't, I don't think that we can sit here and say that Trump is a victim of COVID. I think actually he was part of it. He's the, he's the, he's the preeminent vaccine salesman in, in the world. He took our dollars and invested it into tainted abortion, tainted vaccines, Operation Warp Speed. And he even last week was out there and he was ticked off that they, you know, that Johnson and Johnson vaccine was, was under attack and he was supporting the J and J shot. So I, I can't sit there and, and possibly conceive if they can steal one election, they can steal any election and they're all part of it. As you said, the club that we don't get to be a part of. So I don't think that this plan was hatched in 2017 with some pissed off liberals that wanted to unseat Trump. It goes much further back than that, much more coordinated than that. And that theory does not explain the entire world. Yeah, and if you consider the electoral system as a form of theatre to bamboozle and distract and move different dialectics forward, then 
then that, that definitely resonates. James, before we go on to the, the serum, the poison itself, what it, what it is, what, it, what its intention is, just to consider the, the mechanism of control in the, uh, over the, the hierarchy of the church, which I found very interesting what you were saying, RTF Mike, about the, uh, the use of public, uh, public funding to uh, get the church on board with this. I'm just going to just put out a couple of vignettes for your own consideration. The first is that in the Cardinal McCarrick report, the but written by the, the, the Vatican Curia, they made mention of the fact that his perversions were known to the FBI and the KGB, and this made him vulnerable to blackmail. That's in an official Vatican document. You've seen, you know, Archbishop, who is a crucial figure in the, the power structure in, in Rome as the bridge, but he has been frequenting male prostitutes. And Pope Francis knows that. And Pope Benedict probably knows that as well. At least, you know, he obviously is, he's in sort of a very advanced old age at the moment. My point is, these perversions, this corruption is known by different elements, different intelligence agencies, different secret societies that hold it as blackmail over clerical figures. Um, so when, for example, you have Bishop Tobin, uh, the better one, Bishop Thomas Tobin of Rhode Island, I believe, put out a tweet saying that Catholics have no business being part of uh, gay pride celebrations. This is an abomination. And then has pretty strong but virtual you know, criticism about that position from, from the, the sort of secular left. And then he puts out a groveling apology the next day saying that you know, he went too far or whatever. He kind of clearly upsets someone in the power structure at that point. Um, so you see with this craven obeisance to Caesar from the, the bishops in the last year, that the power structure has decided something about the, the implementation of this, this reset agenda and is focusing all its power on, on carrying that out. The fact that we are having this discussion behind closed doors, as it were, that it's not allowed in public opinion, that only one position holds sway. The fact that, you know, when you're over the target, you're getting the most flack. It's been very helpful in a sense to, to actually survey the Catholic landscape and understand who is controlled. For example, Professor Dimate, I had told to me that his Lepanto Foundation gets CIA funding. And I thought, okay, I just sort of filed that. And, but then he comes out in favor of the, the gene therapy injection. And I think, ah, okay, probably, probably does get some kind of CIA fund because you're allowed to be pro-life to a certain extent. You're allowed to be like pro-life feminist or kind of hipster pro-life. You're not allowed to be militantly pro-life, but the power structure will accept the March for Life, or it used to. But you cannot be against the, the gene therapy injection. This is something they have decided is going to happen. So even the SSPX is putting out pro-gene therapy statements. And it's, it's very helpful, in a sense, to be able to see with all these Catholic figures, you know, what is their position? With Church Militant not talking about it, with Michael Matt uh, being a kind of Alex Jones Catholic frontsman. It's very helpful in that regard. Can I, can I uh, ask you a question? Um, yes, sir. Uh, you're allowed to be pro-life. Who, who to are, to who, a certain extent. Who's, who's allowing you? And this is a rhetorical question to some extent because I have an answer in the back of my mind because it came up on uh, LifeSite News recently. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Fimister uh, wrote an article in LifeSite News in which he said, we have to fight anti-Semitism. 
and I'm taken aback by this. And I'm thinking, well, who, who said that? And what's this got to do with uh, the right to life movement? So I, I wrote a response in the com box. And I said, the, the main weapon that Jews use uh, to increase their political power is the threat of anti-Semitism, accusing people of anti-Semitism. What do these people do with their political power? Well, they promote things like abortion. So if you are joining the fight against anti-Semitism, you're helping promote abortion because you're increasing their, the political power of the people who do this. And so why is LifeSite News promoting abortion? Well, that didn't stay up very long. Uh, it, got, it was taken down almost immediately, and uh, there was no discussion. But I brought in a friend who knew uh, John Henry Weston from his day, her days in Canada, and it turns out that it was taken over. It was taken over. They, they were hauled before a human rights commission in Canada, and uh, a Jew came in and saved them uh, from that, and they were beholden to him ever since. So part of the problem we're having here is identifying the, the enemy here. Uh, certainly when it comes to the Catholic churches, the Catholic church has been completely crippled during the period following Vatican II, uh, not by Vatican II, but by a, 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 a failed experiment known as Catholic Jewish dialogue, which basically has crippled the ability of the church to deal with domestic enemies, in, certainly in the United States. This happened Simultaneously, uh, Nostra Aetate was basically simultaneous with the Jewish attempt to break the production code. The production code was broken with a, por a, a Holocaust porn film uh, known as the Porn Broker, and the Catholics were dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. They simply didn't know what to say. And so it's, uh, 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 it seems to me that uh, until until we get specific, I don't want to engage in any type of special pleading here, but I've been through this already. OK, I, 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 you have to do the analysis of who is promoting this. I've made no secret about the the, the, the connecting the dots here. Uh, the, the Jewish revolutionary spirit came out uh, 13 years ago. I have a second edition coming out now. It's just been shipped from the printer. I just find it it's impossible to contextualize any type of discussion of the culture wars if we're constantly prohibited from mentioning one of the main groups that's promoting all of these things. That's why I mentioned Jacques Attali. Okay, he's a member of the World Jewish Congress. Does that factor into the situation? I think it does. I think it does. And I think that we as Catholics are going to be continued to be crippled unless we can talk about this openly. I want to say bravo to Dr. Jones as well, uh, not only for the Jewish revolutionary spirit, but even the short work he he wrote, the Jew taboo. And I think that I think that jo Dr. Jones has probably led the way in terms of what is going to be leveled against all of us who oppose uh, this stuff. Ultimately, I, I believe that uh, we are that they're going to try to sideline everyone who opposes this thing by labeling them as being anti-Semitic, whether they are or aren't. It's a very potent weapon, and it's, an, and it's a good way to chill uh, debate and, and make your opponent look like an extremist. It's very effective, and uh, they're, they're, they're going to do that ultimately to any of us who are resisting the, either yes. the experimental gene or, or whatever. They already yes. have. I, they already have. A white supremacy, they, they, they said, a, I heard a report that the most resistant or hesitant, if you will, 
are white males. So there's one step from movement calling white supremacy to oppose the, the jab. And of course, whenever your racism charges, anti-Semitism isn't too far behind because the racism charge stings because of Jewish media power. I, I would just like to bring up the example of Tucker Carlson, who treads a very narrow line here. And he talked about uh, replacement and uh, the uh, uh, un, uh, unlimited uh, migra illegal migration and so on and so forth, and was accused of being an anti-Semite for saying that. The ADL accused him of being an anti-Semite for bringing that up, and then uh, has now campaigned to have him removed. The only thing that saved Tucker Carlson was another Jew on the uh, on the board at Fox News who basically stood up for him and, and told uh, told them to back down. That unleashed a a, a letter from fifteen hundred rabbis siding with Tucker Carlson and attacking the ADL. We cannot talk about these mechanisms of control unless we talk about groups like the Anti Defamation League. They are in the forefront. They were completely the forefront when it came when we had the problem of deplatforming. The, the deplatforming issue was pre a predecessor of the COVID issue, and that was completely within the purview of the ADL because they are the ones who created the term hate speech. And that was the main uh, weapon that was used to bludgeon everyone into submission at that point. Alec, here's a final trivia question. What country is the quote-unquote experiment country for what's going on right now? Israel. Yeah, well, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that, that would seem to not contradict, but throw a complication into the, the sort of hidden grammar of this COVID operation. Because as you say, well, there are two countries on Earth which uh, mandate the, the jab, which are the Vatican City and Israel, Judas and the Sanhedrin, the, the pattern of the revolution throughout history. Yes, what, why is it that Israel are pushing ahead. I haven't quite worked that out. Why are they pioneering the, the bio totalitarian digital control gig when normally they don't have harmful things that they off broad like open borders and pornography? That that's not a that's not the case in Israel itself. I think it was the cunning of reason. They they took the vaccine and they wouldn't give it to the Palestinians. Now they're getting sick from their own vaccine and the Palestinians are doing fine. This this th I talked about this in another instance with the wasp ruling class and uh, birth control. And the head of the Rockefeller Foundation said, I don't like Planned Parenthood because the first people that show up at birth control clinics are our people, and our people should not be limiting the number of children they're having. They should be. There's always an element of blowback in all of these operations where the very people uh, who get, uh, uh, who are most affected are the people who are perpetrating, trying to perpetrate on other people. This is you can't leave this out of the equation. Yeah, psychological warfare is like mustard gas, right? That's <laughs> exactly control. what it's like. <laughs> the wind can blow it back on you. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly the point. And there are Jews who are convinced that abortion is a sacrament and they are putting themselves out of existence by acting on that belief. And that is the cunning of reason in human history. Same with transgenderism and homosexuality that you choose to promote, where they're yes. the most afflicted with it. Yeah. Yes, that Rachel Levine is the example of what we're we're talking about here. This is this is you're inflicting the punishment on yourself. That is that is a paradox, but that that happens if you get Michel Foucault is an example of this. If you give Michel Foucault absolute freedom to act out any perverted sexual desire that pops into his mind. Do you know what he does? He punishes himself. Mm -hmm. 
He engages in sadomasochism because there's a voice inside of him that says he's doing something wrong, and he hates the therapeutic state because the therapeutic state will not take him up onto a scaffold and draw and quarter him in front of a, a, a cheering crowd. This is a paradox, but we, when you're this far into evil, you have to explore these possibilities. Yeah, just to go back to Tucker Carlson, I think there are factions of the conspiracy of Antichrist, clearly different demons, you know, with different sway over different groups. Um, I don't think it's homogenous other than the utter antipathy to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his church and to Christian civilization. But they do fight each other as well. So you have sort of the left wing of the deep state, the right wing of the deep state. Some people say that Tucker Carlson is part of the club. He wears a red Kabbalah bracelet. Perhaps that's why the, the rabbis were standing up for him. Regarding the, the nature of this COVID in the gene therapy injection itself, there's a spectrum of theories here about what its intention is, ranging from it actually itself being rather benign and it almost being a placebo that's just designed to break down the idea of bodily autonomy, which has already been degraded through the imposition of the muzzles. And so to get you used to outsourcing your immune system to the state, well, to the techno corporate state and, and used to having something stuck in your arm, you know, every six months, ranging through to the, the more the most malevolent intent, which is that it's, it's mass genocide. I, I don't know quite what, what it could be. I think it probably has anti-fertility effects, seeing as the um, proponents and uh, creators of the drug have been caught doing that in places like Kenya and India before, and they are huge Malthusians and advocates of uh, population reduction. But gentlemen, what, what are your thoughts on the actual consequences of this, this gene therapy sacrament, as uh, RTF Mike described it? Well, the doctors are right. Uh, we will see dead bodies dropping on the streets <clears throat> uh, after the uh, pathogenic priming. If they're, these guys are correct on that, with the immune system going hyperactive, uh, you see babies dying. They're being experimental. That's what we'll go back to the pro-life thing. That's, uh, I can't remember who brought that up, uh, pro-life to reason. I don't see any pro-lifers out there screaming about babies and pregnant people being experiment on human experimentation it's exactly what it is you got a baby died the other day five months old the day two days after <clears throat> his mother took the jab because he was breast breastfed there's been reports of breast milk getting this color this coloration and thing being tainted in there's what's in the breast milk you can't feed so if a woman gets uh, has a baby can't feed the baby with it because now babies are dying and then bars actually came out and said no no there was no there was nothing, no uh, correlation between this and the jab, even though the five-month-old died from what everybody else is dying from. That is with the with the uh, uh, I can't remember the the three-worded long scientific word for it, but it's basically a clot that happened. Uh, two babies have died. That's one percent of ours, recording from HSS and a Harvard study. Only one percent gets reported, and then they're backed up beyond backed up right now. So we just. Try to try to times everything by a hundred that you see in bar, bars right now. Um, I, I know people right off the bat that are getting headaches, massive headaches, uh, sickness, worse than what it was before. Now you got this threat of shedding, which sounds nutty, but there's a Montana Gazette was talking about how women are getting their periods all messed up, menstrual cycles all messed up, just being around 
people with this. And they talk, Moderna says, this is a gene therapy tech, this technology. The last podcast that WEF put on last year in 2020 talked about stuff like this. Injections that are just underneath your skin, precog, a medical precog that 60 Minutes came on two Sundays ago, talking about they can predict, they will be able to predict if you come down with symptoms over this thing. <clears throat> There's now four articles I found I'm about to do Clown Planet after we get done with this that are speaking on exactly the shedding idea with some scientific backup on this. Because we were all sitting back going, this might be a little too crazy. But then other people are noticing blood, you know, their nosebleed, nosebleeds. That's apparently a, a side effect of this thing, as in, a, as in the uh, shedding part. I know two people personally that was around somebody that had it and the nose was bleeding and it didn't take, it didn't strike me until two weeks later going, was that the reason? Bruising, all that, that's all coming out. The, and then on the infertility issue, apparently that's a big thing. These little dumb phones that we got, that's on record that the old stuff had so much radiation that it was lowering sperm count in men. Imagine what these new things are. And now there's laptops that people put on their lap that does the same thing. And then you think about Gates, who says they want to try to drop the uh, uh, drop, uh, population now and they can get a good vaccine in. You got, again, Goodell, who's at the Vatican is bringing in about, I don't know, 10 at least uh, eugenicists that are for this, was it next weekend or this weekend coming up or uh, sometime in May for this conference. And then you got the guys that part of the World Economic Forum's The Great Reset is lowering the CO2 levels to zero. Well, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but we give off CO2. Mm -hmm. So that means two plus two equals four right here. Not saying they want to get rid of us, but eh, there's a lot of guys in this group that want to get rid of people. Yeah, we'll come on to the, the metamorphosis into the climate agenda. T uh, RTF Mike, was there anything you wanted to add? Well, you know, Bill Maher uh, came out the other night and, and mentioned that three out of four Democrats in the United States believe that your percentage chance of being hospitalized after contracting COVID is greater than 50%. Right. Um, what, what we're witnessing, so, and why do I, why do I say that? It's not about the virus. We all know that. That's a duh. That's, a, that's an astute observation. The virus is only relevant insofar as it gets us to the vaccine. So I don't know if it's pathogenic priming. I don't know if it's mass sterilization. I don't know if it's nanotech. I don't know if it's any of those things. I have no, I have no knowledge of it. What I do know is that the only way you accept this virus is if you really, if you exaggerate the effects of, of, of the virus. So the only way you, you, you'll take the injection is if you really think that you need it and people are convinced that they need it. And um, even, even this, the, the so-called woke crowd, people who trust the science, people who you know, claim that they, they, they have no mathematical skills apparently anymore. They, they, they're not able to use any critical reasoning and, and, and make risk-based decisions for themselves. It's, you know, as I think Steve said, you, you have a higher likelihood of dying in your car than you do of COVID. So whatever it is, I don't, it can't, it can't be good. And, but I'm not necessarily in a position to speculate on what I think it is. I just know that it's, it's, it's wicked, whatever it is. 
Yeah, um, Michael Eden, the uh, again, I, I mentioned his name earlier, the former vice president of Pfizer. I think he was a chief science officer there, and he's sort of a whistleblower. He's gone on. He went on LifeSite News and various alternative website platforms to give these interviews, and he pretty much said that looking at the numbers and looking at the facts where you have this virus out there, supposedly, but if you look at the uh, morbidity mortality rate, it's less lethal than than the typical flu season. And so he can find no benign reason for them uh, doing this full court press for the vaccinations because the risk, just the danger isn't there just based on on the virus. Other than, so he has his own conclusion is there must be a malign reason. And he said it's, uh, it appears, uh, you know, depopulation or genocide. Um, and again, he's not some crackpot. He's, he's a scientist. He's a, he's very, his politics are rather uh, in the middle. Uh, yet there's, uh, uh, you know, the silence is deafening in the mainstream media. And, and so... And I just want to, I want to add to, uh, to what Tim said, uh, sorry if I'm jumping out of turn, with respect to this whole idea of remote material cooperation and the ascent that the, that the Catholic Church has given from all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom, even to the, you know, um, to the parish priest level, that almost without exception, they are pushing this vaccine. Yep. But, the, but the reason why they're pushing it morally is because in order to overcome this remote com- uh, material cooperation, you can do so if there's a dire need, if there's a dire existential threat to your health. And so they have to buy into the fake uh, math and, and, and the junk science in order to make these morally qu- questionable uh, arguments. So the, the very people who should be guarding us from this garbage are not only buying into it, but they're pushing it. Yeah, they, they're, they're not shepherds, they're hirelings. Simple as that. They're letting the wolves raven the sheep. Tim, you raised a good point uh, in a previous podcast I heard you say, where you said often skeptics of more conspiratorial readings of history would say, well, they could never pull off you know, something like, for example, an inside job with 9-11 because someone would come forward. And, and here there is someone from in the system coming forward. <laughs> and I think it really sort of prizes open alternative narrative for for some of these other historical events that we've seen in the past. It shows that deception on this scale can be done and they can get away with it. Yeah, and uh, this takes us back to oligarchy because uh, we're given, or at least we're told we live in a, in a free country with institutions like freedom of the press. Uh, these are checks and balances built into the system, not just the political system, but society. So you have all these institutions like, you know, the Catholic Church or the New York Times or CBS News or CNN. And uh, if these are independent companies with reporters out there, garrulous reporters out there asking hard questions, this stuff would come out. But if you just look at the, um, well, the corporate structure of this stuff, you can draw a schematic and see how uh, (laughs) CNN, uh, Fox News, uh, NBC, CBS News, New York Times, they're all interrelated or inter, there's, inter, there's a, a you know interlocking directorates and they meet at Davos. Davos is a crowd of dirty billionaires to get together and they scheme how to run the world. They're not elected to anything, but they have money. And we live in dollar democracies where money counts. If you have money, your voice matters more. The more money you have, the more power you have. And of course, the whole production of money is corrupted with the banking system. So it, and it takes us back to usury and sodomy, being these sins that, that create this worship of mammon. Uh, that's a greater philosophical, you know, th- theological question that we were confronted with. But if you 
if you look at it is the system simply doesn't work. They, they don't, nothing, the banks don't have any money. The media doesn't report any news. It's all lies and everything is lies. And just like all of a sudden now, like uh, Dr. Jones re- referenced the, what was being reported coming out of India, it's all fake. And if you just know what's, what's, what, if anyone has any familiar, I don't, you don't have to go to India to have some familiarity with it. You think that hygiene isn't the best infrastructure isn't the best, you know, and the, in the day of seasons where thousands of people die from disease, it's India for Pete's sake, it's Calcutta, talk to Mother Teresa, you know, you know, when she was still alive, the work she did there. So you can sp- create a narrative of, of death and disease at any place in the world. It's like in China where pneumonia was, was you know, was, was pandemic uh, uh, rates, but then they blame a virus for it, you know, so it's one of these things where nothing, yeah, you would think something, someone would say something, but Again, if you're familiar, if you draw the schematic, how they're all interlocking, how Gates actually buys time on CNN so he can show up in his pink sweaters to do his interviews. And the world, you know, he, he, uh, he's the biggest donor of the World Health Organization. And he also funds a, a network of colleges like the Imperial College of London, which are, are, are what they call what they're, they're green uh, institutions. Uh, they're there to promote the narrative. It's all, it's a big propaganda thing. And this goes back to the whole strategy of oligarchs, um, of creating NGOs or foundations to fund education, to fund medical research, to create the narrative. It's full spectrum dominance when it comes to information. And that's how they create the, the theater, if you will, that we're all forced to act in, that we're all forced to watch. And we call it reality, but it's a shadow. You know, they're casting the shadows on the wall. But, well, Tim, if you don't like it, why don't you just start your own multi-billion media conglomeration? <laughs> yes. It's a free country, right? It's the free market. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. No. So no. the value of those Enlightenment universals, uh, basically <laughs> selling us one lie after another. You know, it's a, uh, you know, uh, E. Michael Jones, Dr. Jones did a great, in his book um, on John Carl Nicole and the Cultural Revolution about the function of, 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 um, of, of, of um, tax free foundations. Uh, and I let him talk about that, but th- th- there's a whole strategy for it. You know, <laughs> it's how, how they control the, di- you know, the dialect and the narrative, you know, and we think it's just uh, history unfolding, you know? Yeah, we, we've been, uh, technology has allowed the unprecedented concentration of power and wealth into very few hands. And those people now, now control us. And uh, they, uh, uh, what you said about at the beginning about the, 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 is it this or is it this or is it this when you're talking about the vaccine? I think it's all of them. But once you get to the final stage, uh, which when you get past sterilization to, to genocide, we're talking about uh, evil of a magnitude that is completely unprecedented. This has never happened in human history. We've never had this form of communication. We've never had this form of control. We've never had this technology. And we've never had the evil that comes from the concentration of that type of power. And so to to refer to uh, Naomi Klein's book, uh, Shock Doctrine, it's shock. You're shocked. And and at this point, we're let, let's assume that uh, six months from now, we're suddenly seeing all these people uh, dying that, that uh, has been predicted. Even as that shows up, the shock will be so great and so unprecedented. I'm saying people won't know what to do. How, how, do, you, how do you react uh, to so, uh, evil of this magnitude? How do you deal with it? That's the question we're going to be faced with. Yeah, I mean, regarding the, the magnitude, I, I, I 
completely concur, Dr. Jones, that the world is more mired in sin now than I think any time since the, the flood. But this, this final assault from Mordor that's coming in our time, it's obviously been building and building. And I think in my mind in the 60s and 70s, when the successors of the apostles decided to not seriously protest, seriously protest, the return of child sacrifice to formerly Christian societies, Western civilization effectively ended and the countdown to final disillusion and chastisement began. And there was another way. The magazine Triumph wrote after Roe v. Wade that, quote, as long as America had been guided by some measure of Christian principles, it had been possible to live here peacefully while working to construct a Christian social order. However, once the killing of the unborn was permitted by law, a Catholic's dissent had to be absolute, according to Triumph. Quote, if she is to protect herself and she is to abide by her divine mandate to teach all peoples, the Catholic Church in America must break the Articles of Peace. She must forthrightly acknowledge that a state of war exists between herself and the American political order, end quote. The successors of the apostles decided not to break the Article of Peace, probably because they are heretics or they were heretics, uh, and they're compromised and so on, the, the, the prevalence of sodomy in, in their ranks. But the fact is, God is just and God's justice must be wrought. It's impossible that Western man in particular go on slaughtering the innocents in these abortion mills indefinitely. There is a terrible account of innocent blood to be paid, and it has to be paid. And if man refuses to pay it on the Catholic altar in the precious blood of our divine Lord, then it will have to be paid in human blood flowing in the streets. And that we, we seem to be on the precipice of that now. I think that Ireland is an example of what we're talking about here. They turned away from the Catholic faith when they, in referenda, approving abortion and gay marriage, and they are now being punished where the mass is not being, the sacrifice mass is not being offered uh, for the first time since the penal uh, period uh, because they deviated from the Catholic faith in a way that never happened in America, for example. We never, it was never a referendum here about gay marriage. That's why we have the Supreme Court. It's imposed upon Americans, okay? But uh, this, this is, on the other hand, can you, uh, I, I, I'm familiar with Triumph Magazine. I, I was in Washington and Brent Bozell was there and he put his arm around me and he said, basically, you're the, you're my successor. Yeah. Fidelity. It was called fidelity. Then now it's called culture Wars. fidelity is the successor of triumph. You know, I was honored for Brent to say that, but uh, I don't think I, I, I can't, I can't accept what he did. Just, I know you're, I know you're outraged. You know, but he 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 picked up a spear and he charged the machine gun nest and he got he got mowed down and that was the that was the end of triumph. We I, isn't I, that we what watched, the martyrs did though? What did they do? What I'm sorry. What did, well, be willing to to be martyred to witness to the to the to the faith. The Marxists, the martyrs. Sorry, the no. martyrs. Yeah, the early no, the martyrs. Okay, okay, I was confused. No, there were martyr. There were people who chose martyrdom, and that was a mistake. You cannot choose martyrdom. There were there were early Christians who did that, and I think there there was an element of this type of, um, uh, uh, what should I say, uh, self sacrifice, the wrong type of self sacrifice. It manifested itself in the right to life movement with Operation Rescue. 
where again, you had these people charging the machine gun and that's because they were badly informed and they thought they were the heirs of the civil rights movement and it didn't work. Joe Scheidler, I just have an article coming out on Joe Scheidler and how he, uh, I, I think he basically, he helped wreck the pro-life movement by getting involved in uh, invading those clinics, which was a way persuading all the, the most devoted pro-lifers in the world to go get arrested and then thinking you're all going to get off with a slap on the wrist and then suddenly it changes and you're in trouble with charge with felonies and so on and so forth. It eliminated, it killed the pro-life movement. It did it. That's what happened. And I think that we have to be aware of this type of thing and not collaborate in our own destruction. At a certain point, I think we'll wake up to the magnitude of the evil and then we'll have to come up with some type of unprecedented response to unprecedented evil. But at this point, uh, what uh, it's not it's not going to happen right now. It, it's something else has to happen. Some type of increase in consciousness uh, of of what is going on until the moment for some type of political action becomes possible or feasible or conceivable. Steve, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, someone's brought up uh, think Tim's brought up nine eleven a couple times. You can see a lot of comparisons between that. Before and after, because I do think I don't think eleven non-flying uh, guys with box cutters took over planes that easily. Uh, especially when you look at all the CEOs that decided not to go in that day, the billions of dollars that was transferred, the, all the war games that were going on that we have audio of from uh, the uh, Air Force uh, cards flying out of the sky that aren't even burnt, buildings that are built to withstand that stuff, and just explosions that you hear below there's more to it especially when i have friends that saw with their own eyes all the tsa stuff that was in dallas uh, airports before it all happened and oh they just needed something to roll it all out and then you got the same thing going on exactly like there and what you, you can never say anything against the 9-11 narrative because then you're a 9-11 heretic and just like you can't say anything about the rona religion because you're a rona religion you must be silenced called a you know, truth or anything like we could, we, we need to search for truth, except for a couple of things that just, you're not allowed to ask about. Hmm, funny how that happens. And then all the people that are there, like the, the, there's one black guy in uh, 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 building seven that say, hey guys, there's, there's fresh coffee here. Oh, by the way, it's about to get blown up. Oh, we can't talk about that guy. And then we get over here <clears throat> with the Rona. It's just, <sighs> Just like the church can lead us out of the church is supposed to be the bushel of light. No, you don't put the light in the bushel. It's supposed to take the bushel out for the world to see. We would take, we would save the planet from the darkness if the church would lead. You see that with I know I don't read any of uh Vigano's stuff, but I looked at the reset one because I wanted to see what it's funny how everyone you get all these guys on to talk about the reset, they never talk about the reset. It's always the topic, the title, but they don't have a doggone clue what they're talking about on it. <clears throat> Vigano gets on, you see all these secular guys on Twitter going, a Catholic, a Catholic a cleric is talking about the reset. These guys who are tweeting it hate the church. They talk about the perverts that are in, this, in the church all the time. They dislike us with a passion. Yet, Vigano came out with that, that letter and everyone was behind him. We would change the world if the clerics would just leave. Right. It's right. not for us ladies. I mean, the ladies over there try, hey, guys, hey, we got a problem over here. Houston, we have a problem. But we got one bishop talking about the jab, 
And he's just focused on the abortion thing, which, hey, that's a good moral thing. But nobody cares about abortion. It's to the point of we need to start talking about something. A bug just fell out here. Uh, we need to talk about what will happen to the person. If we go to an abortion clinic and start talking about, hey, you need to save the baby, their mind's already made up. They don't care. They're going to go in and kill the kid. Sir, sure, sure, there's a little bit. You'll get a salvation one every so often. Yeah. I've never seen it. We've gone to the clinics all the time. We've never seen anybody come out. But if you start focusing on, hey, if you go in that clinic, you're going to get screwed up. This is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. They start talking about thinking about themselves. They don't care about that kid in there. They want to care about themselves. So they don't want they don't want to be hurt. Tell somebody about this jab. Hey, it's made by a board of fetus cells. They don't care. Half the Catholics don't even care. Half the clerics don't even care. They got a guy on there saying everything is made out of abortion products. Aspirin, Tylenol, this, this, this. Yeah, they had Gatorade in that before. And you, we, there's many articles about sugar and flavor, stuff like that. Now this guy's saying everything in the pharmaceutical industry is made out of that. I got people in there saying that's a complete bunk. But regardless, if you go in and tell people, hey, you can take that jab. There's a high probability that you may die. Says so one, it's one, it's experimental. Two, it's killed everything it's ever been in. <laughs> Three, what, do you want to do? You want to sacrifice your body over something that you're never gonna? You're scared about nothing. A 99.9 percent chance of survival rate below the age of 60, and you're 30 or 18. You, you got a better chance of dying from the flu. You never got the flu shot. Start putting that in their mind. They won't take it. Abortion-wise, again, they don't care. Our morality is so far gone in this world, especially that I don't want to say the country because I'm a secessionist, and I do believe there's 50 countries in one union, and we start talking about one country, and then we look, hey, we're Russia. And then we go into what we got with the uh, the uh, passports. Great. States are knocking it down here. Yay. It's the businesses that are going to put it. We're still going to need it. They're still going to have a social credit score. The companies who are all on the WEF website, you go to the World Economic Forum website, look at all the partners. It's corporation after corporation after corporation. Toys R Us, Walmart, Eckert, uh, Walgreens, you just name it, Toyota. They're all in it. It doesn't say state of North Carolina, state of Indiana, state of California. They don't care about that. The states are going to already say, you know, we're not doing it. We'll ban it. But the businesses can do it. And that's going to be the future that you won't be able to do it. The was it the drafts going on this weekend? You can't get in the darn place without having a vaccine card. Uh, uh, world champion, uh, not world champion, by uh, the UFC, you had to have the vaccine passport just to get in to watch the fight. Airport airplanes are already going to change their terms of service to make sure you have to have the jab to travel. Don't you got every grocery store is going to have that by the end of by the end of the middle of this this decade. You're going to have to have cell phone to get into someplace. Again, that's probably why they're trying to get rid of all these elderly people who ain't going to get a cell phone. Hey, that's my personal opinion on that. <laughs> well, that takes us back again to the the issue of the apoth apotheosis of the oligarchy because you talk about all these corporations and these decisions are all being made through interlocking directors to coordinate this thing. These corporations are metapolitical bodies uh, and they're transnational, yet they, they're exerting immense political power and they're, inst they're implementing both de facto law, they're changing, they're engaged in social engineering, they're, they're creating the culture, not just building, you know, 
making soft drinks or building widgets, they're actually engaged in culture creation. And this gets this. The big issue is, um, and Ian Michael Jones has talked a lot about this. Is we're, we're seeing this is a crisis a crisis of governance. It's a we do not we do not have self government, and our constitutions are just scraps of paper because they don't apply to corporations. And so, has laws need to be changed where you can, in order to have a corporate charter, you have to swear an oath and allegiance to the to the to the Bill of Rights, particularly the First Amendment, and also to medical freedom and, and anonymity. These things you can't exert political power if there's consciousness, and that's what they're that's what they're fighting. That's why they're pushing so hard with with all the propaganda. You would you know uh, if there was a pandemic, you wouldn't need a 24/7, 365 uh, you know uh, propaganda campaign. People wouldn't know it. So, you know, obviously this, it's fake because that's why you have the propaganda campaign. But we're seeing this corporate power, which is which are appendages or, or of the oligarchy. Uh, 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 they're the ones implementing this. And you, you saw that with, you know, with obviously with the deplatforming and Twitter. What are you going to do? It's the free market. Build your own platform. You know, even even though it is being coordinated and you have to. You have to yeah, uh, I, I agree with Dr. Jones. You have to go. to Who are we fighting here? It's not Twitter. It wasn't Facebook. It wasn't Mark Zuckerberg. It was the ADL. They're the ones that have commissars installed in these places. And you have to know what, what enemy to, to attack. And RTF Mike, have you got any thoughts on that? Well, I, I look at it and I say, you know, if, if it's true what Dr. Jones said, and I think it is, that we're witnessing an, an unprecedented amount of evil in the world. And I think your initial question, Von Day, was about, you know, martyrdom and and about kind of charging into the machine gun nest and you know what do we do I, I always i always try to think about what do you do as a young father protector husband uh you know provider kind of figure if you've got young children is now the time to flee into the fields into the mountains and all this steve says he's a secessionist um you know i think i think that probably makes sense for the, at least for the united states but i don't know that that actually uh, uh protects you in terms of in terms of us all all five of us here on this podcast pointing out the coordinated actions of various disaggregated actors from corporate to media to financial etc um, that's an easily dismissible idea by people who just know that human in, in human nature people don't really always work towards the same goal but I just want to, as a reminder, you know, the, the root word of, of conspiracy, conspirare in Latin, just means to kind of breathe the same air, to breathe together. And so it, you know, when you look back and you, you know, and, and you read about the Alta Vandita and the long-term plan to take over the church and infiltrate and all these things, it, it, you, you read it like it's a perfectly crisp, clear, straight line, um, plan that many generations just carried out, you know, perfectly, when in reality, it's, 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 it's a little bit more complex than that. And, but the only thing that could guide something like that is, is that was uh, uh, elves in a, in a demonic environment in a spiritual battle. And the way that we have always won spiritual battles when they manifest themselves on and, and as, as political or, you know, or as military um, um, tyrannies is we do flee to the fields. We do form monasteries. We do uh, preserve the faith uh, in little, little candles along the countryside until such a time as you can re-Christianize. And so I, 
I kind of am, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset that, uh, that, that it may be time to, to sort of be thinking along those lines. Yeah, it's powers and principalities, as uh, Tim recognized with the title of his podcast. Uh, that's the only the only constant that makes sense is that the these this is a conspiracy of fallen angels which orchestrate through uh, human instruments. Some of these instruments have direct communication with Satan, no doubt. And just as God has his saints, the devil has his instruments um, who get taken to the high places and offered the the principalities of this world by the prince of the world, and they and and some of them accept that deal, but. Looking at the techno-corporate oligarchic agenda and the way that it's unfolding, you're seeing emerging with the environmental agenda, the ecological hysteria, um, what some people have called watermelons, this sort of green facade which disguises kind of global communism on the inside. And that's it's a metamorphosis of communism because it's about the abolition of private property. It goes deeper than that. It's actually against being it's it's malthusian and it's a psychosis it's a violent hysteria against the principle of life itself against natality against food against carbon um, the idea that carbon is dangerous the emissions of, of, of cows and humans is and and the things that uh, plants thrive on and and if their carbon share in the atmosphere was higher then it, it just means that that plants would 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 flourish more and, and nature has its own sort of uh, harmonization there but what you see is basically it's it, as as always with the revolution it's an abstract utopian scheme and that's always the way so it's justifying breaking of the of the commandments that's always how you can tell so you've seen this with uh, for example the the communist revolution you know workers of the world unite therefore we're going to break the seventh and tenth commandments we're going to shut down your business we're going to steal uh, we're going to mass murder in gulags or with the, the National Social, Socialist Revolution, talking about the purity of the Aryan race. Therefore, we're going to murder the, the mentally handicapped, for example. So you see that pattern throughout history. The sexual revolution, liberate people from so-called sexual repression, have this utopic free love, therefore break the sixth and ninth commandments. And here you see blah, 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 carbon is dangerous, the world is warming up, therefore destroy the family and reinstitute child sacrifice so people can have consequence-free orgasms. The environmental agenda coordinating with and following on from the COVID PSYOP. It is. I think think, Agenda 2030, the sustainable energy thing. I mean, Pope Francis is even there at the UN in 2015 to basically give it its blessing. So unfortunately, the Holy See is part of this issue. Again, it goes, they're at Davos all the time with Colonel uh, uh, Turkson, who's straight up common he gives the uh, prayer translated from francis at every davos agenda's opening opening program I mean, it's I think- it's incredible how we're it's just right to batty how we're in on this destruction of civilization right now shows you the corruption of the best is the worst <clears throat> it talks about in the fourth industrial revolution swap's third book uh this te- this the technocracy that's going on and this, this love, it's, it's hiding behind this climate crisis, which you're going to see more and more, the phrase mm. climate crisis, because we had a COVID crisis. Now you're getting it, COVID's going down. Now you get a climate crisis coming up. That's everything's going to be, yeah, Greta Thunbergism the other day. She's getting applauded and printed out everywhere. You got, uh, what's the space? You know, you, everyone's upset about Gates having most of the, uh, the uh, 
farming land, but he's also in, in, he's got money in the fake foods, which not a lot of people are talking about. You go on the WF website and talk about uh, meat and they look up meat. They want you to eat bugs to save the planet. They could, they have a set, they have a little syllogram of a bug here, high in protein, cow, high in protein. One takes more carbon than the other. Guess which one? So us plebes will be the ones eating bugs. There's a, there's a documentary called Plantopolis. It was done eight years ago. And it talks about the lady goes, hey, like get a burger. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? It's not your birthday. <laughs> so, I mean, everything in your life is going to be affected in this. And they, again, they write it all out in these books. It's, everyone just focus on COVID-19 Great Reset. They have an entire YouTube channel where they tell how much they're going to screw you over, screw us over. And the other books with just, you look at it like it's a combination of the Matrix, all these futuristic movies, uh, the Minority Report, and all just wrapped up in one. It's freak, it's insanity. That's what they're trying to do, and nobody's going to stop it. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I disagree with that. I think that we're talking about, you got the cart before the horse here where you're talking about somehow the environmental thing coming after the COVID thing. The environmental thing came before the COVID and it's, it's a, it's a failed revolutionary movement. And that's why we had COVID it's it, it, it failed. No one's going to take that seriously anymore. We have a bigger threat and it kind of pushed it to the side. But if you're talking about, we're talking about the actual situation, talk about the situation in Europe, let's say, let's talk about the situation in Ireland. We're missing. We are. Uh, we are all, in a sense, on the same page, and we're all perceiving this as a spiritual problem. But that's precisely the problem. You've got large segments of Europe where uh, uh, Protestantism basically evaporated uh, over the course of the early 21st century. Uh, the established religion disappeared in places like uh, Norway, Sweden, Scandinavia. Uh, the 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 effect, uh, the uh, influence of the Anglican Church, little as it was, has basically receded in England, causing a huge identity crisis, and large numbers of people now suddenly calling themselves white. This is a significant issue in in Europe right now because if you're saying you're white, you don't understand the problem. And not only do you not understand the problem, you don't understand how you've just adopted an identity that's going to make you fail in whatever you're doing. So if you get back to let's, uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, uh, on a podcast in Ireland uh, this coming week, uh, and what am I? What are you going to say? What would you say to the, to the Irish? Are you white? Are you happy now that you're white? Are you happy now that you can uh, worship some druid? Or, or do, are you starting to get buyer's remorse because you kicked away the only thing that can save you, namely the Catholic Church? That's, I mean, we all understand that here, but the, there's a large extent of people out there who simply do not understand that at all, and they need to be brought back to this uh, realization. And what I'm saying here is uh, God, uh, this is the way God gets your attention. God gets your attention by allowing you to carry out your absolutely crazy rebellion and bringing down misery upon yourself so that your eye, the scales will fall from your eyes. And that's Ireland. That's Ireland. And that's, in a sense, every it's the West. 
it's the West, and we are uh, brought to this point of misery because there's a purpose to suffering, and the main purpose of suffering is consciousness, and because consciousness is the precondition for repentance. Consciousness means un understanding reality, the reality of what you've done. That's the moment here, and that's the message that we have to take to these people uh, who are so confused that they, as I said, you know, they've, they've, they've completely adopted a racial narrative that is going to destroy them and has no relevance whatsoever to Europe anyway. Yeah, quite. And the, the whole racial lens at root keeps you mired in naturalism, where what is important is the percentage of melanin in my skin. Rather, it prioritizes nature over supernature. What is important is that I am an adopted son of God. That is infinitely more important than, than my ethnicity. I have far more in common with a black uh, Catholic fellow member of the mystical body of Christ than a pagan white sinner. So it's so banal. But as you say, people get trapped in that, that narrative because it is true that European identity has been attacked in a coordinated fashion by the oligarchs. And the devil, I think, does have, have an animus towards European civilization for being the, the vessel of the, of the Christian religion. But as you say, the um, people reject the, the faith because the, the Catholic, because they want to reject the natural law. They want to have consequence-free sex. And also because the church, the, hier the hierarchs are not preaching the gospel and they're effeminate. And, and until they actually stop apologizing for Catholic teaching and actually recognize that it is life-giving, that it is leads to eternal life that that taking up one's cross is is glorious and is a ladder to heaven then we will continue to be marred so it, it comes down to the the rot in the church quite simply and we get the leaders we deserve so it's a it's a sort of chicken and egg thing but the shepherd is struck and the sheep are scattered until peter stops denying christ and turns and turns back to him then we're gonna this is gonna continue in my mind uh, Steve, you wanted to say something? Hey, I just, I didn't mean to think that uh, or misunderstand saying that the uh, climate idea came afterwards. Oh, it's been around for long before then. No, the crisis part that they're going to double down on is the after effect of this. As you already see, you can't deny it unless you're just not paying attention. They're already using the words climate emergency, net zero, which is their goal for 2050 everything they have written and spoke about all over the place. Every major car company's come out saying they're going to stop producing gas-powered cars. Why? To lower carbon emissions to get to net zero by 2050. Airlines have already come out saying they want to go net zero, net neutral by 2050. Restaurants, governments, homes. They're, they're, I mean, the main thing, the, the infamous video that Schwab came out, the economic forum came out, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Uh, this is all about climate change or climate, whatever you want to call it, and making it to net zero, lab-grown meat, net zero. Hey, just go on the YouTube channel right now. Just, there's, there's 15. I'm just looking at it in two seconds. There's already 15 right here that I see on net zero by 2050. I mean, I've been now I've been listening to those guys think. more than a lot of other people all over to, to hear this stuff so I can hear this. I see the thing going, oh, man, that's right. That's reset. That's all it is. This whole doggone reset thing is being the vehicle for it is the, the door opening is the Rona. 
But I, see, I don't. I don't think environmentalism is per se the end of of the Rona, uh, because even environmentalists don't truly love the environment. I mean, the, the the people who hunt and camp and fish and know how to live outside, who really do appreciate God's uh, creation, um, are not You know, environmentalists are 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 weak pansy, you know, woke uh, soy latte drinkers who stay inside in their urban cores. They have nothing in common and no connection to nature. So environmentalism is just a means by which they exert control over humanity and express a hatred, uh, the, the demonic hatred for human beings. It's, mm -hmm. it's Malthusianism, yeah. really. I think, I think that's right. I think that the environmentalism was created to justify population control. Okay, so now we have a much more effective way of uh, enforcing population control uh, with the sterilizing agent in the, in the in the vaccines. It seems to me that that's already been shown in India and 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 uh, uh, Kenya. And so I, I'm not denying that it's there. I'm just saying that it's it's an obsolete form of revolutionary activity if you've got a vaccine that will basically sterilize the people anyway. It's like when uh, when um, uh, the Duke of Orléans, who changed his name to Philippe Egalité, okay, because he supported the French Revolution, even though he was a, an aristocrat. He had to write his memoir. He was going to have his head chopped off in the morning, and he wrote a memoir, and he said that uh, uh, Freemasonry is, is the candle, but the revolution is the sun. And when the sun comes out, you no longer need the candle. And I'm saying now when the son of the vaccine, in a sense, has made the candle of environmentalism obsolete as a revolutionary movement. Exactly. And that's what I brought up in my opening thing. The first book they came out with, Thomas Malthus, right before it was right before the Davos Manifesto is a dedication that Malthus helped bring it to bring it to mind. To right. That's, that, that's the Bible for Bill Gates and his father. That's always been the Bible of kind of the Anglophile population control movement. I'm just saying that the means they have now uh, are go way beyond. I mean, if we, anybody survives, if these oligarchs finally get their, what they're, what they're asking for, there will be a shrine built to Bill Gates who finally achieved what all of these people uh, were trying to do for all of these years through his vaccine. Yeah. And, and of course, the late 60s, you had Paul Ehrlich being promoted by the establishment and the population bomb. All his predictions proven wrong, but nevertheless, he's still cited. But you know, that was the guiding. He was sort of the, I guess, the successor to Malthus. But I think it was a clever Rome uh, came out early 70s, maybe 72, where they said they, they had to um, find a series of crises to pretty much to uh, justify their power grab, their technocratic you know, conspiracy, if you will. And one was one was uh, you know environmental degradation, and one and other another one was uh, a pandemic. And but the bottom line is to instill in the public consciousness that humanity was the problem. Mm. Humanity was the problem, and that's what we're seeing both with either with environment or with the um, with the uh, with the the virus. Uh, because now we look at everyone, every an individual as a walking bioweapon. You know, yeah. make us fearful of one another. Stay six feet apart. You can't really you get close to one another. You can't meet. You can't. You know, you don't have right to assembly. For right. Assembly. Right. All these things. Yeah. Right. So. I think. I think that African AIDS was a crucial intermediary step here mm -hmm. between. 
population control. The population control of the 1970s, which failed miserably, and all of the leaders who promoted it uh, were all assassinated by their own people. And then you had that convergence of medicine and population control. And the, the, uh, the, the African AIDS was basically, uh, we have to get these con uh, Africans to use condoms. I was in Nairobi when at the high point of this, when Cool and the gang showed up to give a concert in Uhura Park. And to get in the concert, you had to show a condom. How are we going to get these Africans to use condoms? They never use condoms. How are we going to do it? What well, we're going to tell them, you're going to die. You're going to die unless you use the condom. That was a crucial, and, and the same thing happened then. If you walked out uh, uh, onto the street in, in Kenya and you got hit by a truck, you died of African AIDS back then. Now you walk out on the street, you get hit by a truck, you died of COVID. You know, this was a, a crucial preliminary step where you kind of medicalized population control. Mm. And I think this is the culmination of that. And Dr. Fauci is front and center of the AIDS fraud, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> he killed more homosexuals than anybody in human history because he, he fast-tracked AZT. AZT was one of those toxic substances known to man. It was chemotherapy. They wouldn't even use it as chemotherapy. And he fast-tracked it, and all those homosexuals died of it. The difference between Magic Johnson and Arthur Ashe is that Arthur Ashe took the medicine and it killed him. And Magic Johnson woke up and he said, I'm like, this is making me sick. And he stopped taking it. That was the difference. And so what you're having here is a much more refined version of all of those things. They learned from their mistakes. And this is a much more refined, more global manifestation of the same thing. Notice what Dr. Jones said about having to show a condom to get into a stadium. Now you got to show your vaccine card to get into a stadium. Exactly. It's exactly the same type of thing, but they've upped the ante. The game is, it's much more intense now. Yeah. In the um, old rite of exorcism, the priest prays something like, I cast you out in the name of he in whom the man is made in his image and likeness. And there, there is this idea that even after the fall, the demonic powers are scared of the image and likeness of God that is in man. And there is a, obviously a, a profound hatred for that and for man for that reason. And I think this is tied up with the whole, with the muzzling as well. It's this obscuring of the Imago Dei. And it's incredible that almost no, you know, this is a, this is a theological point I'm making, a layman, you know, what do I know? But, but the clergy are not saying it. The face is the most magnificent part of the human body. It communicates exactly what is happening in the soul. It, 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 you can read a human face and you can see the hopes and dreams and desires. It is the, uh, the means by which we, we really express the manner in which we reflect the image and likeness of Almighty God. And, um, and the, I, 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 don't think, I don't think there's a coincidence to the fact that they all want us to cover our faces, double cover our faces, triple cover our faces. Um, and, 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 and furthermore, you know, the devotion to the holy face of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was unveiled uh, as specifically as the most militant devotion that we have to overcome communism by name from our Lord, communism. He gave this devotion to Sister Mary of St. Peter in Lourdes, France, and it was invested with all the dignities of the arch confraternity by Pope Leo. That, it's all about the face. You even go back to the Roman times 
you could strike your servants on their bodies and you could bruise them and break their bones and, 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 and even kill them. But it was a steep fine if you were to strike them in the face because there's something about the face that is the, 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 the magnificence of creation. And now they want, they want, they want no faces. And, and, and one, one last vignette, in Baltimore right now, in the city of Baltimore, Steve's, Steve's brother is there. They're no longer prosecuting petty crimes like, like exposing yourself to people. So, but but they will still get you if you don't have your your face covering on. So now the new inversion of reality is you can have your junk hanging out in the wind as long as your face is covered. That's the new version of America: is no face, just genitals. Well, it's an inversion, definitely. You. You also describe the history of art uh, in Europe, mm. where the prog- the progression. I'm, I'm writing a book on this at this moment of of mimesis, and uh, about mimesis. And what you had in Italy was a more and more sophisticated techniques that could give you the real sense, a, a reality. This is real. This this person is real. I'm looking at a real person. Okay. Now, at the same time, you could uh, portray the female body in ways that looked very real, too. And as a result, uh, you could awake concupiscence. And so it was a battle between uh, the face and the genitals, which is precisely what you described in Baltimore. And the best (laughs) you can look it up uh, when you're when you're off here. But uh, Titian's portrait of the um, Venus and the organist. You look at that painting, and that's Titian right at the very moment uh, where this crisis, he's fighting this battle, okay, trying to decide, do I portray the face or do I portray the genitals? Which is it? It's my Mises can go either way. Uh, that's, that was the battle, and the, the, the comeback, uh, the, 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 the thing that saved Western art at that time was the Council of Trent. And the man who was... Uh, uh, the symbol of that triumph was Rubens, who backed mm. away, who could, who could do everything the Italians did in, in a much better fashion, but he was guided by the Council of Trent, and he, he, he brought it back, uh, brought art back from the precipice, he saved art in the, in the Catholic world, uh, only to have it disappear, it's, it's a constant battle, to disappear uh, once again, under pornography in France because they removed themselves from the, the, the council of Trent was never implemented in France. And so as a result, you had the rise of pornography all the way up to the French revolution, including Marie Antoinette as a character in pornographic uh, uh, novels. And that led to the revolution. And of course, and the Marquis de Sade, right? The Marquis de Sade as well. Yeah. Pornography was rampant in France during the 18th century, and it led directly to the revolution. All you have to do is type in pornographic libels and Marie Antoinette, and you'll see the whole story of how pornography was used as a weapon to bring down the House of Bourbon. And, and that happened with the Tsarina uh, Alexandra as well. There seems to be a sort of revolutionary pattern there where the the revolutionaries despise and attack that kind of figure of femininity at the the you know of the of the queen in particular yes yes interesting well that's fa- i'm i'm very much looking forward to reading that work on aesthetics dr jones that i'm sure that will be very elucidating gents i'm conscious of time and i very much appreciate mike that you were 
offered an, an antidote to some of the, the ills we see today. Um, so um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. I would just say that the dialectic is how the revolution, the devil kind of has been working through history. And we've got to be careful and conscious of dialectics and controlled oppositions. It strikes me that Klaus Schwab is, is sort of almost cartoonish villainous, like a James Bond villain. And perhaps there's a reason why they allow people to make negative comments under those Great Reset videos. So be careful of any saviors, saviors that the system provides for you. Like, for example, Trump. Steve Bannon is an arch manipulator and he's already framing this whole situation as the Great Awakening which has Gnostic undertones versus the great reset. So keep your eyes on Christ, you know, by, by their fruits, you shall know them always test. Are they looking to, are they advocating breaking one of the commandments and are they focusing on nebulous intangible issues like the COVID pandemic, climate change? The devil doesn't really care. He just wants you to abnegate the 10 commandments and lose, lose faith. So uh, practically what we should all do, don't test, obviously, don't use track and trace, ditch the muzzle, certainly do not get jabbed, don't feed the monster. And also, I don't know about you gentlemen, but I found the last year has been a tremendous op opportunity for micro evangelizations, micro heroisms. Just by removing the muzzle, you, you give people an opening for, for preaching the gospel, power of the smile correspondingly has has increased and people are, are shaken up. So they're suddenly open. Postmodern man is open to hearing the, the salvific message of our Lord. And I've, I've seen green shoots amongst particularly some of the young people that I know who are now questioning the whole narrative and are, are drawn to the figure of our Lord and rediscover the love of the cross, a love for being uncomfortable, trusting in our Father to send consolations and in a sense, love the defeat because the, the supposed defeat is glorious. Just like Roland and Olivier were singing as they charged against the Saracens at the Battle of Ronchevu. And as St. Bernard of Clairvaux said about the Crusades, it is a cause in which to conquer is glorious and for which to die is gain. Thank you. Amen, brother. Thank, Thank you. you very, Thank you very much, Dr. Jones. Anything you'd Thanks. like to finish on, leave our audience with? Thank you for having this. Thank you for having this. You've, you've uh, articulated the, the, uh, the problem. You've articulated the spiritual dimensions of the problem. And that, that alone is worth it. And that alone will send people off in the right direction and not into these blind alleys where they're being led by uh, a lot of people that you mentioned. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for your work and witness, Dr. James. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, anything from you? No, no it's, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, I mean, personally, I think we're just going to, it's like Rocky. You're going to get the, we're going to get our brains kicked out. But uh, you got to go down fighting, got to go down swinging and uh, fight like anything to uh, stay the course. It's going to get worse as the years go by. Uh, 2030 should be uh, one heck of a year. It's a year after 2029, which a certain event 100 years later needs to be done. And I think everything would change, as our lady promised. But uh, no, man, we're gonna. It's gonna be bad. Become saints, like you said. Take the take the face mask off. Give a miraculous medal to someone that says hi to you. Smile. They'll say, hey, yeah, that was a smiling Catholic right there. Gave me a medal. He has no fear. Invite him to mass. Most of your parishes don't are you know pretty normal. The, the ones that are open. 
And then, yeah, don't, don't forget to evangelize in the faith, too. Amen. LTF Mike? It's been an honor uh, to be with you, gentlemen, this afternoon. Thank you for setting this up on day radio. And um, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. You know, whoever shall uh, shed his blood and tears with me will be my brother. And those men too afraid to go will think themselves lesser men when they hear how we fought and died together. So God bless you guys. I always approve a quoting of the Bard and Henry V. Mr. Kelly. Well, thank you for having on. It's been great to take part in this discussion. Uh, um, Leo the Thirteenth uh, said that all problems stem from a theological mistake. Yes, I think. And so. I think that's what we're dealing with. Uh, it's all our political problems, social problems, economic stem from a theological error, and we're seeing that now play out. Um, so I guess ultimately it is addressing those primary issues. The most important issues would be the spiritual and moral issues that we're confronted with. And that will give you the, give you the courage and the strength to, um, to weather the storm that's coming. Um, don't ask, don't beg for martyrdom, but don't be afraid to confront it if, uh, that, uh, you know, that if you're confronted with, her, with that. Um, uh, I, I think that what we've seen the past year it's, 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 it's frightening, uh, and you can look at it as being discouraging, but it's also awakening a lot of people to the true nature of the, of the beast system. Um, in, in the past, it's done a lot better in sort of uh, boiling us slowly, you know, you know that, uh, that aphorism, boiling the frog. So people are now, I think, are, have been awakened or stirred up a bit to they know something is wrong. And uh, I think this is an opportunity. Um, I think John Waters. The Irish writer, I heard him make this observation um, on, on a show. He's saying that um, this is an opportunity for, each, for, the, for, for, for us average Joes to make a difference. Uh, in the past, we were confronted maybe just living our simple, mediocre lives, going on to get along, our peaceful lives, undisturbed, the quiet life. But this has, has confronted us with a, uh, with a battle to fight. And each one of us, by standing up to this, has a chance to be great. And I don't mean, you know, he didn't mean this, I don't mean this in the grandiose term but stand up for something you have a, you have a battle to fight and that's what i try to tell young people now is you're they're going to be confronted with this uh and it's their chance to stand up for something and and count for something and it's a battle they, that they're confronted with and uh not to run away from it um it's uh an opportunity because the oligarchs you know have revealed themselves to us they've they've taken off the velvet and the hammer is there for all to see so you have a lot more people willing to listen to this, uh, to, to this perspective now, which maybe 14 months ago would have written you off as a conspiracy theorist. And not, but I was reminding you, the term conspiracy theorist was itself a product of a conspiracy hatched by the CIA to disparage people who look skeptical at official uh, narratives, particularly the uh, JFK assassination. Great. Thank you very much, Mr. Kelly. Thank you very much, gentlemen.